0: And I'm feeling good. I hope you are too. I trust that uh, you're ready to worship and enjoy each other's fellowship. So if you'd stand with me as we start our service, we'll begin with prayer and some great songs. So let's pray together. Father, we do thank you for this morning. Such a gorgeous day. Um, every day is really a beautiful day. Whether it's sun is shining or it's rainy or whatever it is, it's a day that you've made, that you've given to us as a gift to spend with you, to serve you, to live for you, to fellowship with you. And we just thank you for all the days of our lives that you've given us and all the blessings that are in those days. We pray for this morning as we sing these songs, as we spend time together, fellowshipping, encouraging each other, that you would use these great hymns and spiritual songs that we're singing to... uh, Enlighten our hearts, encourage us, that you would use your word as it's spoken to remind us of who we are in your sight, um, who you are to be in our sight as we remember that you are God, our Father, our Savior, our Redeemer, our Provider, our Protector, all the things that you are to us. We ask that you would use today, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now as Steve has reminded me where we try and pick hymns that are, go get them hymns to start with and to end. So we're starting with a a great uh, hymn that ought to get you you going. There's power in the blood and I would let every one of you know feel free to clap if you feel like (laughs) clapping. We got a Tambourine up here going and I want to hear you singing and being excited about the fact that there's power in the blood of Jesus Christ for everything we need.
1: Would you be free from your burden of sin? There's power in the blood, power, Blood. would you or evil the victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, there is power, working power, wonder-working wonder-working power in, the in the blood of the Lamb. The there, there is power, there is power wonder-working, wonder-working power, in the precious blood of passion and pride. There's power in the blood Power in the blood Come for a cleansing to Calvary's tide There's wonderful power in the blood There is power There is power, power Wonder working power In the blood In the blood Of the Lamb, of the Lamb. There is power, there is power Working power In the precious blood of the Lamb Would you be wider, much wider than snow? There's power in the blood, power in the blood Sin stains are lost in its life-giving flow There's wonderful power in the blood There is power, wonder-working power power In the blood blood of of the Lamb Lamb. There is power, wonder-working power power In in the precious blood of the Lamb Would you do service for Jesus your King? There is power in the blood. blood in the blood. Would you live daily His praises to sing? There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, there is power, power, wonderworking power in the blood. In the, blood of the In the precious blood of the Lamb. There is power, there is power, power under working power, power in the blood, the blood of the, the Lamb. The there is power, there is power, power under working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. In the precious blood of the Lamb.
0: want to make you say woo <laughs> day by day strength I find to meet my trials here there's a lot going on in all of our lives I'm sure that brings struggles pains uh, but unlike the world we have someone to turn to and although the world sometimes they talk about Christianity as a crutch It's not. It's an arm that lifts us up that we lean on. We're leaning on the everlasting arms of Christ. And He's the one who gives us the strength to live each day, day by day and with each passing moment.
1: Passing moment Strength I find To meet my trials here Trusting in My Father's wise bestowment I've no cause For worry or for fear He whose heart Is kind beyond all measure Gives unto each day what he deems best Lovingly is part of pain and pleasure Mingling toil with peace and rest Every day the Lord himself is near me With a special mercy for each hour All my cares He fain would bear And cheer me He whose name Is Counselor And power The protection Of His Child and treasure Is a Charge that on Himself He lay As Thy days Thy strength shall be in measure This the pledge to be made Help me then in every tribulation So to trust thy promises, O Lord That I lose not face sweet consolation offered me within my holy word. Help me, Lord, when toil and trouble me. There to take as from a Father's hand. One by one, the days of moments fleeting, till I reach the promise. Help me, Lord, when toil and trouble need thee, to take as from a father's hand, one by one, the days of home is
0: You may be seated. When Isaiah was called, um, God gave him a special vision of himself. He could see the Lord on his throne and the Shekinah glory filling the temple. I can't imagine for the Israelites when they would be wandering and then they'd come and set up the tent of meeting and then God's presence would actually come and they could see his glory and his presence there as Christians we too and in our with our spiritual eyesight we seek to see the Lord and his glory and realize he's on the throne
1: We see the Lord seated on the throne, exalted, and the train of His robe fills the temple with glory.
0: the great truth, a lot, of, a lot of hymns have some great doctrines and great truths in them, and this is one of those. Um, Jesus said, whosoever will may come. And although it has been thousands of years uh, since Jesus died on that cross, there's still room at that cross for anyone who will come to him. There's room at the cross for you.
1: upon which Jesus died is a shelter in which we can hide and its and so free is sufficient for me and deep is this fountain as wide Still, for one, yes, there's room at the cross for you. Oh, millions have found Him a friend and have turned from, from the sins, sins they have sinned. The Savior still waits to welcome. Come a sinner before it's too late There's room at the cross for you There's room at the cross for you Though millions have come, there's still room There's room at the cross for you The hand of my Savior is strong
0: Share song is called The War, so um, each one of us, although we are Christians now and God has created a new man inside of us, we still got that old guy in there, and he puts up quite a fight in my life all the time trying to get me to do his way instead of God's way, and the Bible has a lot of information about how we can overcome that guy and overcome the attacks of Satan as he tries to use him and other things in our lives. And those are found in Ephesians 6, and it's called the spiritual armor, the helmet of salvation and the shield of faith and the belt of truth. And these are the things that I need to put on if I want to win the war. So that's a song called The War. war is raging in my soul between heaven and hell there's a new man born by faith in god but an old man's there as well they fight to lead my every step each thought each word each deed to win the fight and live for christ god's armor's what i need i need the belt of truth the shield of faith the helmet of salvation gospel shoes to bring good news to every tribe and nation. The righteousness of Jesus Christ to guard my fragile heart. The word of God to be my sword. Now I'm ready to go to war. many battles satan's won because i failed to wear the armor god has given me within this lion's lair like joshua i must choose this day whom i will serve From the narrow path that leads to life i will not sway or swerve. i'll wear the belt of truth the shield of faith the helmet of gospel shoes to bring good news to every tribe and nation the righteousness of jesus christ to guard my fragile heart the word of god to be my sword now i'm ready to go to war I grow so weary in this endless fight And the struggle I must go through Just to do what's right But to those who fight and look for Him God promises a crown Then we can rest in our new home And lay our armor down We wore the belt of truth The shield of faith The helmet of salvation Gospel shoes to bring good news to every tribe and nation. The righteousness of Jesus Christ to guard our fragile heart. The word of God to be our sword, we finally won the war. We wore the belt of truth, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation. Gospel shoes to bring good news to every tribe and nation righteousness of Jesus Christ to guard our fragile heart. The word of God to be our sword we finally won.
2: Good morning. Today's reading is in Psalm 47. Well, it's actually the whole psalm, so feel free to uh, follow along in a Bible you brought or one in the pew, or uh, be blessed by listening. Oh, clap your hands, all peoples. Shout to God with a voice of joy. For the Lord Most High is to be feared, a great King over all the earth. He subdues peoples under us and nations under our feet. He chooses our inheritance for us, the glory of Jacob, whom he loves. God has ascended with a shout, the Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises to our king, sing praises, for God is the king of all the earth. Sing praises with a skillful psalm. God reigns over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. The princes of the people have assembled themselves as the people of the God of Abraham, for the shields of earth belong to God. He is highly exalted father God I do praise you that you are highly exalted that you are the king of the universe and uh, whatever transpires in this world we can have faith in you that uh, that it is all by done by your will and and Lord for your purposes and knowing our love for us your love for us that uh, we can be secure in that um, Lord give us thank you for giving us the opportunity to worship you in music to sing your praises and Lord to worship you with the reading of your word and the preaching of it as well uh, Lord thank you for uh, for our pastor Steve uh, he loves you he loves your word and he loves us and I pray that you would put in his mind and in his heart what you would have him teach us. And Lord, thank you for giving us an opportunity to be here, to assemble together, and help us to uh, to to take heart to what he has to say, and um, and to uh, and to, to to take heart in your name. We pray. Amen.
3: Good morning. Good to see you all here at Hope Bible Church. Glad we can be together today. I do want to thank you for your prayers for last week. I was up in Omaha, Nebraska, uh, seeing my siblings and my aunt uh, Thursday through Tuesday. Had an excellent, excellent time. So again, thanks for your prayers for that. Just a couple highlights I'll mention. Um, good time again with my siblings. My one brother, there's seven of us, one brother that I stayed with is a Christian, him and his wife, so that was a delightful time, and so that was very, very encouraging, and um, then on Sunday, I went to church, in this church where Gary Osborne, Patty Osborne, are at, in fact, as I got out of the car there in the parking lot, uh, I was just getting out of the car, you know, and there's, there's Patty says, hi, Steve, and So, so it was a good time, but the, the afternoon I spent with two people who were at the church, one is Jay, one was Doug, and they were... We were in the same home group to Bible study. We're talking 40 years ago. And so we had lunch together. It was there from like 1 o'clock till 6.30 or 7. And we talked nonstop. And it was such a delightful time. You know, men talking nonstop for five and a half hours. You know, we were covering the ground. And it's very, very encouraging being with them. But but um, one, one thing I'll just mention, another little story quickly here is is my brother, my mom, as you might recall, she passed away six years ago in 2016. But she kept things and she kept letters. And so my brother had these letters. Not all of them, but a lot of them that mom had kept. So he was showing me this box letter probably fifty letters were there, so and, and the first set was love letters from my father well, before they got married to my mother, this is 1947, end of 1947, and it was just a delight to read those, because my father was a very transparent, flying boy, and my aunt said he was a daredevil, who's a very energetic, fun-loving type of a person, so he was reading these letters and getting insight into their relationships, so that was encouraging, and then the, the next set of letters were 1961, and as you've probably heard in the past, he was got real sick, he'd been sick really in the 50s, and 61 he was getting sicker and he had kidney problems and he's writing all these letters from 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 his home and from the hospital particularly to his grandparents and i was reading these and he was again very transparent about how he was feeling and he wasn't doing good and so but again as i think back i think of and all these little stories here, the sovereignty of god it's just it's a wonderful thing to go back god wanted my father to marry my mother and that's why i'm here today and he wanted my father to die you know, pass away in 1961 in Iowa. That's another reason why I'm here today, because all things work together for good, and so we see that. We see the big picture. It's important that we do see that. And so again, it was it was it was really good to to be there with them. And but it's good to be back. We all know there's an election going on in this country. That the final day for voting is this coming Tuesday. If you've watched TV or looked at the internet at all, you'll. Heard about all these stories and ads about politicians, people running for office. And as you all know, they, they're making these promises. And many are saying they're going to bring real change. Well, just two things I need to say about that. First, politicians rarely keep their promises. Only God keeps his promises. Secondly, politicians don't solve the real problem. In fact, they can't solve the real problem. The real problem is a spiritual problem. It's a heart problem. And it's sin. And only God, through Christ, can solve that. We know that the individual person, we understand this, the individual person, whether it's you or anybody in the world or throughout history, has this problem of sin. But when you combine and add up all the individual people and put them all together and add them all together, then they've got a whole country that's got this problem of sin. And it's a huge problem in our country. I would just sum it up and say it's a spiritual cancer. And the only cure is the person of Jesus Christ. And so individual sinners need Christ to be their savior. And this country, and in fact the entire world, needs Christ to be her king. We're electing politicians, yes, people that rule over us, but what we really need, really need, and God of course has ordained this, is a king. We know the story 2,000 years ago. Jesus Christ came to this world. We know that he died on the cross to pay for sins, that he rose again from the dead. We Know then that the church began. People were getting saved, baptized, and were being discipled. That's what was taking place. And the church then was growing. And the church's main mission then is to share the gospel and is to make disciples. And she is to keep doing this until the end of the age, and then Christ will return. Turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 1. There's many places that sum up this. I like the way it sums it up here, this big picture of the church age. Acts chapter 1, verses 8 through 11. I'm sure you're familiar with these verses. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He's talking to the apostles there. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. And after he had said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. As they were gazing intently into the sky while he was going, and behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. They also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. So really, just a summary of the church age. So to be making disciples and preaching the gospel all over the world, then Christ will come back. He will come back to this earth. That's what it clearly says. Now, when Jesus was here 2,000 years ago, he was, of course, a Jew, and is was with all these Jewish people there in the nation of Israel. Uh, the Jews saw that he had all this power. It was obvious. He was a great teacher, but they saw this power. They saw these miracles that he did, just healing people right and left all over that country there. And they also knew, about all Jews knew, the prophecies in the Old Testament about this one who was to be the Messiah, who was to be the king. And so the Jews then, for the most part, then were looking for Jesus, the king, and they thought that it could be him. But the Jews really didn't realize, again, for the most part. The majority of Jews didn't realize that they first needed a Savior, as Isaiah chapter 53 so well explains. They didn't understand that. They saw these verses about Jesus being a king. And so for the most part, the Jews rejected Jesus as their Savior. And Jesus then, being a Savior, is the main message of this church age that we are now in. But Jesus being a king is not going to take place during this church age. It's not going to take place during your lifetime. It's going to take place in the age to come. That's what we're talking about. That's what we need to understand. That is the big picture. Now, as, 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 as Christians, thinking about this political environment that we live in, we need to be careful to remember that our main job, our main job is not to elect some politician, not to elect some ruler, some senator, some representative, some governor. That's not it. I mean, yeah, I encourage you to vote. That's fine. That's good. But that's not our main job. Always keep that in perspective, because if you watch the news even a little bit, you'll be just, man, all this politics, all these ads. You get the mail, I assume, all these little newsletters or whatever, handouts about some candidate. Our main job, we know, is to preach the Gospels, to talk about Christ, is to make disciples as a church. That's what we are to do. And so we're living at the end of this church age. We just read there back in Acts 1. That was the beginning of the church age. Now we're at the end that the signs are obvious, the Jews are back in the land at the very end of this church age. And now we see it's obvious that there's a lot of sin in our country, a lot of pride, a lot of lies, a lot of crime, a lot of corruption, a lot of greed, a lot of drugs and immorality and racism, etc., etc., Said We all know this, and again, the only answer is for Jesus to be a person's Savior. The Bible makes it clear. You look at Matthew chapter 24, verse 10 or 11. It says that the sin will keep increasing, but the church will keep growing. That is what's going to happen. That's the truth. Not long from now, what's going to happen then? The the Antichrist will come. I've often said, I believe it's sometime in this 21st century. Antichrist will come, and he will rule for a while, and then the end of the age will come, and then Christ will come, and then he will rapture the church, judge the world, and then set up his kingdom on the earth. That's, That's the big picture. That is what's going to happen, and we need to keep that in mind as we live in this sinful world. We need to understand this big picture. It's paramount. So today, then, my purpose in view of this coming election this Tuesday and, and is to talk about Jesus the king and to talk about his kingdom. And we need this hope. We need to have this future hope. We need to be encouraged by the fact that, that Christ is going to come back. That hope, then, will help you to live your life on this earth. It is, is really an essential ingredient. If you don't have this hope, that you'll, you'll be more discouraged than you ought to be. So I want to do today is go over a number of truths. Just again, really summary statements about Jesus Christ, the King, and His kingdom. Turn to Psalm chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. Really the whole chapter, I just want to read these few verses. Psalm chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. Verse 1, why are the nations in an uproar and the peoples devising a vain thing? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords from us. We, we see in this chapter an emphasis upon rulers and kings, but you have to go back to verse 1. The people themselves, individual people, individual sinners, are devising a vain thing as well. That's what we see here. And this really then sums up the present... And future situation of our world, these verses and the following verses, which I'll mention just in a minute here, with regards to kings and the king. That's what we see here. There are all these rulers in this world today, all these rulers all over. The great majority of them are evil. That is the truth. That is the fact that unrighteous are evil. And and what we see from the text is they're taking a stand against God. How foolish they are. How foolish they are. How not so smart they are. I could use other words. They hate God. They're fighting against God. And God will humble them if they don't repent. That's what he will do. In fact, I won't tell you stories, but I've seen ways this past year where God's been humbling rulers. It's pretty obvious. You can't miss it. God is humbling rulers now that think they know so much, and God is doing things to put them in their place. But the fact is, and what this psalm says, is Jesus Christ will soon be king over the whole world. And that's what we always need to keep in mind. Always have that in our mind. That's our hope. Psalm 2, verse 6. But as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion. Psalm 47, 7, which Jeff read, God is the king of all the earth. These are both prophetic. It hasn't happened yet. God, that is Christ himself, is not at this present time king over this earth. Yes, he's sovereign, but he's not the actual king ruling and reigning. That will happen in the future, and that's what that Psalm 47 and Psalm 2 is all about. And so the second point, the first one is is we read about this present situation of the world, the kings and the king and what's going to happen. Second, Jesus Christ is the son of God and the son of man, and therefore he is both God and man and the perfect ruler the perfect one then to rule and to reign over this world because he is God and because he is also man and this is what 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 the angel Gabriel was telling Mary you go back to Luke chapter one and you know there he appeared to her and he was explaining that's where he talked about hey you're going to bear this son you're going to actually have a physical son but he's also going to be God in the flesh the third point is this is, is Jesus Christ has the right to reign over this earth by his death by his death he defeated sin he defeated death, he defeated the devil, and because he defeated sin and death and the devil, therefore he has the right, the authority, the power then to rule over the entire world revelation one to one forty a couple of verses here sums this up: grace to you and peace from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us, behold, he is coming. We get the picture. He's the firstborn among the dead. That is, he rose from the dead. He defeated death. He rose from the dead. And then it says that that he is the ruler of the kings of the earth. He is the king of kings. And then it says he loves us, and he's coming back. And he's coming back then to be king. That's what's happening. Fourth, God promised that his son, Jesus Christ, would be the king over this world. And he will keep his promise. 2 Samuel 7 says, I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever." Here's this prophecy made to David, saying one of his descendants would be the king, and, and, and God promised. Again, God keeps his promises. Please understand this. Next, Jesus Christ, our coming king, is our only hope for this world. I mean, without Christ the king, this world will just keep going down and down and down. And if he didn't come back, who knows what would happen But I can't help but think that it would sometime in the future self-destruct because of our sin. So he's coming back. He's going to be the one who's going to perfectly rule over this imperfect world and bring perfect love, joy, and peace. That is what he is going to do. Psalm 67, and there's many passages. I'm just giving a little summation this morning. Psalm 67, let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you will judge the peoples with uprightness and guide the nations on the earth. This is speaking of the Millennial Kingdom. This is a Millennial Kingdom Psalm, Psalm 67. The nations are going to be glad. You see, right now we live in what's called the evil age. That's Galatians 1, four. The next age, the kingdom age, is a good age. People be happy, joyful. It says that he's going to judge. He's the judge. Right now, some of you might understand that sometimes there's not justice in this world. Things aren't fair. Things aren't right, whether it's in the courts or wherever. Or somebody just gets away with murder. That literally is happening more and more. People are getting away with murder. That's not going to happen then. He will judge... The peoples with uprightness and guide the nations on the earth. He's the guide. He will lead. This is incredible. And and, and of course, he's going to use us. He's going to use us because we'll be glorified in our glorified bodies. I'll mention that in just a little bit, a little more. A little more a little bit. And so, next, um, Psalm, I'm not going to read this here, but jot psalm 72 down it's it's a great chapter that talks about christ reigning over this world there's a whole lot of thoughts there but you can read through that We now live in the end times i've said this before many times that's because the jews have been coming back to this land 100 the last 140 plus years there's 6.7 6.8 million jews now living in israel and so that promise which is given so many times, probably the best place, Ezekiel thirty six and thirty seven, promised by God. That promise has come through. That promise and sets the stage for all the rest of the stuff he wants to do. The stage is set. That had to happen, the Jews back in the land, and they are now back in their land. Therefore we know that Christ is coming soon. And when he comes, the church will be raptured, the world will be judged. And all these are backed up by verses of the Judgments, Revelations 8 and 9. The Antichrist will be defeated. That's Revelation chapter 19. And a number of Jews will be saved. This is Romans 11, 25, 26, and 27. A number of Jews will be saved, and then Christ will begin his reign over this earth. That's, what, that's what's going to happen. It's no doubt going to happen. You'll be aware of it. You, you'll, you'll be alive, whether it's here on this earth or alive in heaven. You will be aware. You'll be seeing these things taking place. It's a wonderful thing. That's your future. That's the big picture. That's what God's going to say, that God's going to do. Revelation eleven fifteen. the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. Revelations 9, 10, 11 talk about the Jews. And then it, here sums it up. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. Zechariah, Zechariah 14, 9 says the Lord will be king over all the earth. So you see, there's a lot of verses about Christ being the king. There's a lot of verses, and we need to think this way. You see this, you know, it's interesting because you go back to the first century and the Jews back then, How what were they thinking? Hey, we want a king. Didn't want a savior. But sad to say, you now think about this for a minute. You have all these churches, a lot of good churches around this country and the world. They're thinking back, hey, Christ is the savior. They talk about it and they celebrate it. It's a birthday, you know, Christmas and Easter. That's good. But not many are talking about the fact that he's a king. The Jews did back then, but not about the Savior. Now we've reversed. And we're 2,000 years later. we got the whole word of God. We've got the Holy Spirit to help us teach, teach the word of God. We're not thinking. Most churches aren't thinking right on this. I'm serious. I really, it's really sad. That's why I take time and hope Bible church to talk about our hope, to talk about our future, because we have to have this hope to live rightly the way that God wants us to live for him. Jesus Christ, next point, the king of kings is God. He'll be a perfect, powerful, holy, truthful, all-knowing, sovereign, wise, loving, and merciful king. The perfect king. We've had good rulers in our world. There have been some good ones. Nobody's perfect. Christ will be the perfect one. Psalm 111, verse 7 says, The works of his hand are truth and justice. All his precepts are sure. He sent redemption. Holy and awesome is His name. But I want you to turn to Revelation 19. You know that we, we sing these verses. Some of you are probably singing this in your mind as we go through them. You know these verses so well. Revelation chapter 19, speaking about the King of Kings, speaking about the end of time, the end of this age when Christ comes back. It says, I saw heaven open. Behold the white horse, and he who sat on it is called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. He has a name written on him which no one knows except himself. He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood. His name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it he may strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. And he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Let me go down to verse 19. Because this is talking about the battle of Armageddon and how Christ, with his armies, and I believe we're going to be part of his armies, are coming down into stop him in his tracks. Verse 19, I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies assembled to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. So you have the beast, the antichrist, and all these other kings. Verse 20, the beast was seized and with him the false prophet who performed the signs in his presence by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire with, which burns with brimstone. You say they're defeated. Christ took care of them thrown alive. The the first people to be thrown into the lake of fire are these two, the beast, the Antichrist and his assistant, the false prophet. Christ's reign in the kingdom age will last for 1,000 years. It's it's so amazing. You ask the average Christian and people don't know this. It's clear. Now, you you go back to the Old Testament and, and the the average Jew knew about this kingdom coming, that this Messiah was coming. He'd rule. But they didn't know in the Old Testament times. They did not know how long it was going to last. or the, I mean, it was going to be an eternal kingdom. They understood that. But they didn't know it was a two-part thing. They didn't see the two parts. They didn't know that. I mean, it wasn't told them. But here in Revelation 20, it's told them. You see what takes place? We just read Revelation chapter 19, and the Antichrist is defeated. Okay, so the bad guys are off the picture. You know, Christ is back. He's in charge. The kingdom of the world is now the kingdom of the Christ, and this reign begins. And it's a thousand years. And you know how many times it repeated in Revelation six twenty, verse six verses, six times. It didn't say say it was just once. If it was once, it would be true, and it was, it was true. But the fact is, it repeats it six times. A thousand age, and that means exactly a thousand years is how long this kingdom age is going to be. Next, we understand the true believers will be glorified in body and spirit and this is again your salvation at this point in time is not complete we all know this you're in this earthly body that has aches and pains gets tired needs need to sleep every day of the week you're not perfect but you will be perfect powerful immortal glorified spiritual body that's what 1 Corinthians 15:40 40 to 42 tells us Matthew 5 3 says blessed are the meek for they all inherit the earth that's you That's me. That's all believers, along with the Jews that are believing Jews. Because you read Psalm 37, and I believe it's six times there, it says believing Jews will inherit the earth too. We, as Christians, we as believers during this church age, joined with the believers from the Old Testament times, will reign over this world together. That is what's going to happen. Very important to understand this. Revelation 26 says they'll be priests of God. Reign with him for a thousand years. That's what's going to happen. We are going to reign with him. That means as Christians, as believers, we'll have authority. Now some of you, and I've, I've heard people talk as well, I'm a nobody in this. I can't do nothing. I, I, just let me sit up in some corner in heaven, I'll be happy. No, you're going to have authority and power because you'll be a brand new person. And I believe, and I'm going to read this here, Luke 19, 17. I believe this is a real truth. It says here, well done, good slave, because you have been faithful, very little thing, you are to be in authority over 10 cities. Maybe that'll be one of your jobs. I'm not saying all, but some of you that, you might have authority over 10 cities. You're going to be a ruler. You're going to be a politician. <laughs> not the way they are today. But I'm just saying, this is the truth. We are going to reign with Christ for a thousand years, and you will be fully equipped and able to do whatever He wants you to do. That is the fact. That's, you understand that. God will help you to do enable you to do and you want to do it you want to serve christ and worship him next 10 jesus christ will reign over the entire world from the city of jerusalem psalm 48 first three verses explain this better than any place beautiful in elevation the joy of the whole earth is mount zion in the far north the city of the great king so christ is reigning from israel and specifically from the city of jerusalem that is what's going on that's what's going to happen Next, we understand that every person who's ever lived will bow down to Jesus Christ, confess him as Lord and King. That's wonderful truth. Every person. That means he'll be feared by all people and be loved and worshipped by only the believers. Okay, he he can't be worshipped by some unbeliever. During the millennial kingdom, those thousand years, there's believers on this earth, unbelievers, All kinds of believers and a lot of people are getting saved and we as believers are floating around and doing our job. We're glorified bodies. But you have these believers on earth and you have these unbelievers and they'll all confess Jesus Christ as Lord and King. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. That is what's going to happen. That sure doesn't happen now, does it? It doesn't happen at all. Next, during the Millennial Kingdom... The entire earth will be filled with Christ's glory. Every part of this planet will be positively affected and impacted by the love and the power and the and the justice and the mercy and the goodness of Christ. Every part. I mean, this this truth is phenomenal. Because now you look at the world and you know what it's like. I mean, at least to some degrees, wow, it's a bad place. Bad place. Evil age. That's what's going on. It'll be a good age, and that's what's going to take place. We sang that song from, from. Um, I see the Lord. It says the whole earth is filled with his glory. See the verses there I, in, in Isaiah six verse three, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Is prophetic. He's talking about the future. When Christ is reigning and ruling, the whole earth is filled with glory. It says there, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Habakkuk 2.14 says really the same thing. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. There's just two verses. Again, the, 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 the justice and the holiness and the love and the mercy of Christ, that is the glory of God, is, is, is affecting every part of this planet. It's, it's a wonderful truth. This, again, this should encourage you. It's not the way it is now. We live in a rough place, rough world, evil age. And God gives you grace, plenty of grace, to live in the way that he wants. But it's still not easy. I think Steve mentioned something like that in, in his song. We're in this war. It's hard. But God gives us grace, all the grace that we need. During the next point, during the kingdom age, it'll be obvious to all that Jesus Christ, the greatest king. Obvious. The whole world will know that he's the king. They're confessing him as, as Lord and king. Psalm 47, verse 2, The Lord most high is to be feared, a great king over all the earth. For God is the king of all the earth. God reigns over the nations. It, it, the people can't miss it. He's a great king. He's the greatest king there ever was. This is going to be wonderful, except for the unbelievers who are saying things under their breath. Psalm 145.3, great is the Lord and highly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. Next point, in the coming kingdom age, believers will be publicly giving thanks to God, singing songs of praise, shouting for joy, publicly. You don't have to watch what you say. You, you work someplace, and if you say the wrong thing, you get hauled into the office, and who knows what will happen to you for saying the wrong thing. No such thing as hate speech. I mean, wouldn't it be great? He can worship and love the Lord and walk down the street and fly through the skies and, and that 's what 's going to happen and why? a few reasons, one because of your salvation you 're fully saved and, and and with that you see Christ defeating all the enemies on earth Yeah, man, this is victory right now something happens well man, it seems like the good guys are getting beat up seems like we 're not winning well, in some cases that that 's true in some ways, but big picture, we are winning. we are on the right side we will get to heaven and be with Christ. So because of their salvation, because they see Christ is winning, because they're experiencing his amazing blessings like never before, and because they're seeing that Jesus Christ is the king, because every part of the planet is then a demonstration, a picture of, wow, look at Christ is doing. And all the work that we do, all reigning, that's just because Christ has given us the grace to do it. That's what's taking place. Next, and this is an important point. This is a lot in Isaiah uh, other places, too. But during Christ's reign on earth, Israel will have a special place and role on this planet, on this earth. A special place. This is what God promised. So many places. You go back to the Old Testament, it's all over the place. But Christ will rule from the nation of Israel. That's the one first thing. He'll be there in Jerusalem. Okay, You read in Matthew 19, it talks about the 12 apostles all ruling. It says their job will be, you read, it's very interesting. It says their job will be to rule over the 12 tribes of Israel. You got these 12 tribes of Israel there in, 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 in Israel. Secondly, Christ will bless Israel in such a way that they're a blessing to the whole earth. They're a blessing to the whole earth. Look at, turn to Psalm 117, the shortest chapter in the Bible, and it sums this up very well. Psalm 117. praise the Lord, all nations. So it's it's like a command. All you nations are to praise God. That's what is to happen. Laud him, all peoples. Look at verse 2. For his loving kindness is great towards us. Who is us? Who's us? It's the Jews. The Israelites. God is blessing us. And therefore, this blessing is resonating, being seen all over the world. And the truth of the Lord is everlasting. Praise the Lord. Turn to Psalm 67. says in verse 1, God, be gracious to us and bless us. Talking about the Jews. God, you be gracious to us and cause your face to shine upon us. That your way may be known on the earth. Your salvation among all nations. Let the peoples, let all the peoples of the earth praise you, it says. Let all the peoples praise you. Verse 7, God blesses us, the Israelites, that all the ends of the earth may fear him. So the Israelite people will be the most blessed people all these nations on the earth then. Well, okay, I'm not sure all that's, that's going to work out, but the Jewish nation, the Israelite nation, will be the most blessed and will have an effect then on all the rest of the world. And salvation in Christ will be proclaimed by the Israelites to the world. That we read in Psalm 98, you read in Psalm 96, they're proclaiming the good news, the gospel. Isaiah 61 9 says, their offspring, that is Israel's offspring, will be known among the nations. You're, you're going to be thinking, man, those, those, those Jewish people, they're really blessed. Really special people. It'll be obvious. God's going to bless them. Psalm I, Isaiah 60, verse 3 to 5, says, The wealth of the nations will come to you. You read many places about his, his kings and nations bringing tribute to Israel. The wealth of the nations will come to you. And so, because Israel is so blessed, the nations will come to her. I mean, if, if you think about it now, I, I, I can't help you've all thought about this. You think, man, there's, I'd really like to go to this place, and whether it's in this country or in the world. I'd like to visit, you know, this, I'm not going to name place, but you all have this place. I'd love to go visit or vacation there. Everybody then in the future, I'd love to go to Israel. And a lot of people will be going to Israel, taking a visit, paying a visit there. Now, we, again, we're all over the world. We've got our new bodies. The people on the earth, you see, paying tribute, visiting, and going there. And Jerusalem, then, will be the most renowned and important city in the world. That's where Christ is at. They will call you the city of the Lord, the Zion of the Holy One of Israel. That's Isaiah 60, verse 14. And during the Millennial Kingdom, Jesus Christ will defeat all his enemies. That includes death. I want, want you to turn to, I don't want to read this. It gives us a big picture. 1 Corinthians, chapter 15. There's, there's different passages in the Bible that sum up, give us, the, again, the big picture of what's taking place. This is one of the better ones here. And it's verses 20 to 20. I'm going to read it and just make a few comments as we read this. Chapter theme is the resurrection. It says, now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. The first is the first one to be raised from the dead, to be glorified, never to die again as the person of Jesus Christ. Verse 21. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. The word made alive is another word for glorified. Okay, get a new body. But when? It says each in his own order. Christ was glorified when he raised from the dead, raised from the dead back 2,000 years ago. He's the first Fruits, And then it says there, after that, those who are Christ at his coming, that word parousia, the coming of Christ, that's when we'll be glorified. People that have died, you all know people that have died are in heaven right now, they're not glorified. I mean, they're doing good, they're perfect. No pain, no problems, perfect love, joy, peace, but, the, but they're not glorified. They're not perfected that way. They're not. That's just the way it is. But at his coming. Then it says, first, now watch this, you've got to see this. Then comes the end. What does that mean? What does that mean? The end of the age, you see, is when Christ comes back and glorifies. This is talking about the end of the millennial kingdom age, that thousand-year period. It says, then comes the end when he, Christ, hands over the kingdom to the God and Father when he has abolished all rule and authority and power. So one thing Christ is doing in the kingdom age is abolishing all rule, authority, and power. He goes on to say, the last enemy, no, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be abolished is death. So people are still dying during the millennial kingdom. But after that, no more death. That's that's it. He'll abolish it. For he's put all things in, in subjection under his feet. But when he says all things are put in subjection, it is evident that he is... Accepted, who put all things and subjected to him. That is, when all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself also will be subjected to the one who subjected all things to him, so that God may be all in all. That is, he then will subject himself to God the Father. And how that works, theologically, you know, Jesus Christ being God and man and Father being God, the Holy Spirit, but it says there. So this gives you a picture of what takes place from the resurrection of Jesus Christ to our resurrection to the end of the kingdom age. That's what's taking place when God is all. God may be all in all. And that's a loaded phrase. What does it mean for God to be in all all? I mean, <laughs> he, he is seen and loved and worshipped and, and controlling and affecting everything on this planet. In the end of the kingdom age then, we just saw this. I just said this. This is when Christ will hand over the kingdom to the Father. It says there we mentioned death being defeated. This is in Revelation 20 verse 14. Death this is right there. This is at the end of the Millennial Kingdom. Death and Hades will be thrown into the lake of fire. What that all means, I don't know, death and Hades. That means death and Hades, they're gone. They're done for. That's it. So we live in a wicked world. And for the most part, this world is ruled by evil rulers, by wicked rulers. And now we're living at the very End of this age. It really is. And We need to keep this in mind. This age, this church age, going on for two thousand years. This evil age started back with the sin of Adam and Eve, thousand, thousand years ago. Now we're at the very end of this church age. And what is our job? What does Matthew five say? You're to be the, a light to the world. You're to be one who's letting your light shine in this dark place. That's that's your job. And, and it's really. I'm not going to give you examples here, but it's really amazing. I talk to my wife about these things is there are opportunities you have every week to be a light. I mean that. There's just things that pop up and happen or you know, some person or some situation. It's, it happens all the time. So, so think about that. Say, Lord, help me to be a light to the world that you put me in. You all have your own little world. You go to work and your family and your neighborhood and stuff. Ask God to help you be a light so they can see that person is different. That then gives you the opportunity to share the truth, the gospel, with them. And so, as a church, then we're to be a light and we're to be ones who are continuing to do the work of God, sharing the gospel, making disciples, and then the end will come. Christ will come back. Turn to Matthew 24. Again, picking up on our job here, I've, I've mentioned a couple phrases repeatedly during this time about what our role is as Christians during this time, and these verses. State state that, verse twenty, chapter twenty four, verse fourteen. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. God knows exactly what He's doing. He is using people, Christians all over. That's why just last week I was so so encouraged with that the church up there, Gary Osborne Church, and Rory Whitney and others. It's not their church; it's Christ Church. But man, God's blessing. They're teaching the word. They're singing songs. There's fellowship. Things are happening. This is really encouraging to see this. And knowing that that is happening, that is Christ is building his church all over the world like that. Here we are. You know, we're a little flock, Luke chapter 12. But God's using us, and God is building his church all over the world. It's so encouraging. So that's part of our job is to to preach the gospel. Go to chapter 28, last verse or two says, verse 19, Go therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, along with you always, even to the end of the age, the end of this church age. That's what he's saying. And so the gospel is to be preached, that's the first thing, and we're to make disciples. That is, as a church, we're to work together to preach the gospel and build into the lives of people until the end of the age. That's it. That's, that's what God tells us so clearly. But the fact, this is an important point, I hope you've gotten this already, the fact that we live in this work, world should make you long for the true king. He says, I can't wait. I mean, just giving you a, a taste of a few verses, I can't wait. I, I can't wait for the Lord Jesus Christ to return as king. For then he will perfectly rule over an imperfectly world and bring perfect justice, and love, and joy, and peace. That's what's going to happen. So, so that's why that thousand years, when there's still sin, there's still death, is Christ is going to come back and rule things the way they should have been ruled before, but because of our sin, we couldn't do it. Okay? So that's what's going to happen. And we're going to see it. And we're going to work with him in establishing his rule and his reign and his authority over earth. That is what's going to happen. And so for now, three things. Keep worshiping Christ, keep working for Christ, and keep waiting for Christ. Those three things. Keep in your mind. Never fake Worship, work, and wait for Christ. And soon enough, he'll return, rapture the Christians, judge the world, and set up his kingdom on this earth. Psalm 72, last few verses. Then all nations will be blessed through him. They will call him blessed. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen. Amen. That is millennial kingdom verses. That's what's going to happen. So let's remember to pray. You know the prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Get it? Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done at that time on this earth as it is in heaven. That's what's going to happen. That's it. That's an important prayer. That's one of the most important prayers in all the history of the church, right? We should pray it every day. That's what we should want. and That's what we should pray, that we should work for, and that's what we should wait for. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time. We bless you for these truths. Indeed, it's so encouraging to know that we know you, and you are our Lord and Savior, and you're also the king, and we can't see that now. You're not acting like a king, but that time will come. Your kingdom will come. We will see it, and we will reign with you. This is amazing. We will carry out your orders, and we'll be full of, of joy and peace and grace and strength and excited and never get tired and always doing what's right and helping, then, you to your glory, then, to be seen over this whole world. We, we thank you for that. And so, Lord, help us to be worshiping. Help us to be working. Help us to be waiting for you. This is what we pray. Thank you for each one here and those I know who couldn't make it. Some aren't feeling good today. I'm aware of that. I just pray that you help everybody in this church. Just bless them. Lead us. Use us, God. Help us to keep going. And, and even when we don't feel like it, because a lot of times we don't feel like it, we don't go by how we feel. We go by faith. We go by what your word says, by the truth. And pray for Bethel. Pray for your blessing on them. And even the graduation they had last night of a number of people involved in a training program. Thank you for them. Just pray your blessing on them for your purposes and glory, too. But thank you again for this time. And we're going to have this communion time as well. We commit all this to Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen this time the singers can come up. As they come up, I'll just mention this. I don't know all the details yet about this, but some of you might have heard about some weather, some potential, quote, bad weather coming to Florida. The latest I saw last night, this morning, was uh, what they're now predicting is gust of 40 miles an hour, wind, rain, mainly a rain and wind event, not so much a hurricane, but a big bad storm, cutting right across Southern, Florida, Southern Florida. So that's going to happen Wednesday and Thursday. Don't know how it's going to affect our Wednesday time, but we look watching the news and we'll let you know. But just be praying for God's protection during that time as well.
0: Just okay. stand as we sing our um, hymn to prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper. All that Steve has been talking about and Christ coming back and ruling and reigning and all the things that he's accomplished were made possible on an old rugged cross on a hill called Calvary. The old rugged cross.
1: to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. Oh, that old rugged cross so despised by the world has a wondrous attraction for me. The dear Lamb of God left His glory above To bear it to dark glory So I'll cherish the old rugged cross Till my trophies at last I lay cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown in the old rugged cross stained with blood so divine a wondrous beauty I see for it was that old cross Jesus suffered and died to pardon and sanctify me so I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down I will give To the old rugged cross And exchange it someday for a crown To the old rugged cross I will ever be true In shame and reproach gladly bear Then He'll call me someday to my home far away, where his glory forever I'll share. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross, till my trust
0: seated
3: communion time I want you to turn to Luke 22 or you can just listen along Luke 22 verses 14 to 20 is Luke's description of the Lord's Supper Luke 22 verse 14 when the hour had come he reclined at the table and the apostles with him and he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. And you, you see his heart. He really loved his disciples. I have earnestly desired to be with you. And he says the Passover. It was the Passover meal. They were celebrating that Thursday night. But what was going on at that time was the transformation of the Passover meal to the Lord's Supper. That's what was taking place. He goes on to say, For I say to you, I shall never eat again eat it until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. That connects with what we talked about today. He's not going to eat this meal. We're having this time here to remember him. But then when we're together in the kingdom age, we're going to have that great wedding supper there, Revelation 19. But other times we'll have time with him as well. So it's in the kingdom of God when he will then share that meal with us. When he had taken a cup and given thanks, he said, take this and share it among yourselves. Two words word given thanks you've heard this i believe you've heard the word eucharist the holy eucharist the word eucharist is that word given thanks that's what it is in in the greek and so you hear that and and the idea and that's one of the main themes of these verses here we're to give thanks to the lord because of what he did for us given thanks then it goes on to say he said this take this and share it among yourselves the idea of share has the idea of communion you've also heard this is holy communion The word communion, there's a couple different thoughts, etymologies on this. Etymology is that it it relates to the word union and come, which is with, is that we are to be united with each other during this time of celebrating the Lord and his death for us. communion. United together. Or some have said, this is true as well, we have Christ in common. And so the idea of sharing it with each other, this holy communion here. Then he says, if I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until the kingdom of God comes. And so again, he repeats it until the kingdom of God comes. And when he had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Again, the remembering him, the giving thanks, that's one of the primary purposes for this time and really should be a carryover through your whole month is to remember him. Don't forget him. Again, we all know we can forget things. But don't forget Christ. You know, you can forget things. But no, don't forget Christ and what he did for you. The same way he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. The idea of poured out being is Christ's blood was poured out for us. It was a new covenant in his blood and that he was the one who was shedding his blood. We understand the Old Testament. There are all these sacrifices and animal sacrifices, you know, looking forward to that time when christ would sacrifice himself so here it's a new covenant this was first spoken of jeremiah thirty-one, thirty-one, the new covenant and so that's what we're that's what we're doing now we are together celebrating remembering christ what he has done for us at this time uh, we want to just pray we want our hearts collectively to be right before the lord so just take a minute bow your head and heart and and if there's anything on your heart that's not right with God, get it right and then we'll have our communion together. Just thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for this time we have together. This isn't just some game we're playing, some words we're saying. This is reality. This is truth, that we are celebrating you and remembering you for who you are and what you've done for us and the fact that all our sins are forgiven, every one of them, past, present, and future. So now, Heavenly Father, you look upon us as ones who are holy, completely righteous in sight. Just as you see your son, Jesus, is righteous, so you see us your children as ones who are righteous too. It says, I received from the Lord that which also I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, "This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes." Again, Father, we thank you for this time, bringing us together. We can have this communion together with one another here, together, Lord. I'm telling you that we. Thank you, telling you that we love you, that we will really, overall, never forget you, and we'll be with you someday in heaven. We really can't wait for that time. But thank you now again for your great love for us, your mercy, your kindness, which is an eternal love. We pray this in Jesus' name.
4: Activity-wise, we have coming up, as Steve mentioned, our Wednesday Bible study time. So if you're able to come out this Wednesday, 6.45. And then Saturday will be our church barbecue. Um, We've mentioned that a few past weeks, so hopefully you're excited about that. Haven't forgotten, that'll be at 5 p.m. So next Saturday afternoon, um, just to encourage you to... uh, come if you're able and on the back table there's a sign up for side dishes Uh, we will be providing hamburgers and hot dogs Um, if you want to sign up for a side dish um, you know whether it's uh, pork and beans or potato chips or whatever um, just pay attention to what's already listed maybe Um, keep in mind it's not too uh, too late to invite people if you want to invite a neighbor or other family member or coworker, uh, please do so. We'll we'll have extra food, so we'll be uh, plenty of food for folks. And also, as a reminder, we're going to have gift cards, so uh, be some pr- uh, prizes, uh, some nice gift cards to Publix and other places, so a little bit of excitement for the time together there. And um, then uh, the next, let's see, next Saturday, we'll have work day, so two Saturdays away, work day, put that on your calendar if you can, and then as a reminder too, I think Stephen mentioned some ministry packets after he had preached on the different ministries in the church. There's packets on the back table. If they're gone, we can get you some more. Keep those in mind, and then also uh, we've mentioned if you need any counsel or prayer, to you can put a request into the offering um, on Sundays, and we'll... Take a look at that as the, the elders and be praying for you or be available for counsel. And then lastly, uh, didn't get into the um, teaching schedule, but next week I'll be sharing on a simple and fulfilled life. That'll be from Ecclesiastes, uh, looking at Solomon's life. So uh, that'll be after the church barbecue. So Now we have our last uh, song. And for the offering, You've got the box on the back table, mailing it in, or giving online. Thank you.
0: You'd stand with us for our last song. Um, <coughs> I'm not sure which song it's taken from. I guess you could declared to be messianic in the sense that it says the Lord reigns, but uh, whether the world likes it or not, right now Jesus is reigning in heaven. He is the king of the earth. He may not be standing here on this earth and reigning in the way he will in the millennial kingdom, but he still rules and reigns this world and this universe. The Lord reigns.
1: The
2: Lord reigns, the Lord reigns, the Lord reigns Let the earth
1: rejoice, let the earth rejoice, let the earth rejoice Let the the people be glad Let the earth rejoice, let the earth rejoice, let the earth rejoice, let the people be glad that our God brings. The fire grows before him and burns up all his enemies. The hills melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. In the presence of the Lord, the Lord, the Lord reigns, the Lord reigns, the Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice, let the earth rejoice, let the earth rejoice, let the, rejoice. Let the people be glad, that our God reigns, His righteousness, the people see his glory. For you, O oh Lord, are exalted over all the earth. Over all the earth, the Lord reigns. The Lord reigns. The Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let the earth rejoice. Let the earth rejoice. Let the people be glad. That our God the Lord, the Lord reigns. The Lord reigns. The Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let the earth rejoice. Let the earth rejoice. Let the people be glad. that our God, reigns. our God, reigns. our God, reigns. our God, reigns.
3: Benediction from Psalm 145, verses 1 and 2. I will extol you My God, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Amen. Amen.